0: What's up, Journey? How are we feeling to be in church this morning? Come on. It is a good day to be here. I'm so glad that you decided to join us today. My name is Brad, and I'm one of the pastors here, and just honored that Pastor Mark gives me the opportunity to teach a few times a year, and he is preparing for our Christmas gatherings this weekend, so he can't wait to be with you next weekend. But can we show some love and honor to our lead pastor, even though he's not in the building today? Yes, Pastor Mark, we are thankful for you he was texting me this morning. He's ready for next weekend. He's excited. And if you're here for the first time, a huge welcome to you. We're glad that you decided to join us, and we are counting down the days until our Christmas at the Journey Gatherings. Can you believe it? Next Friday is when they begin, and they're uh, all gonna start on Friday. We got. 14 different gatherings for you to choose from. So whether you are at Hokesson, you're at Middletown, we've got all kinds of opportunities for you to gather with us, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. You may notice if you take a look at our website, our schedule for this year for our Christmas Eve gatherings in particular, is a little bit different than what we would typically do given that Christmas Eve is on a Sunday. And one of the things that we wanted to do was shift our gathering times to the morning and early afternoon, which would give an opportunity for our J team, all the people who serve here at The Journey and our staff to spend Christmas Eve evening with their families and friends. So hope that you'll join us. And for all of us, I think I've got four simple things for us just on the front end today of how we can be a part of Christmas at The Journey. So it's coming up here this week, and the first thing I'd love to encourage you to do is invite. Invite somebody to come with you to a Christmas Gathering Christmas gatherings represent a great opportunity to get a yes to an invitation for someone to join you. I've noticed that, plus I've noticed in my life that when the people that I care about most actually come to the journey, church begins to mean a whole lot more to you. So I wanna encourage you, invite somebody to come with you for one of our Christmas gatherings, all kinds of room across our location. The second thing that I wanna encourage you to do is to pray. You can pray anytime throughout the week for our Christmas gatherings, for people to find Jesus this coming weekend. But I'd love to encourage you, maybe make a note in your phone that this coming Wednesday from 1.30 to 2 o'clock, our staff is gonna be gathered right here in this room in our broadcast location. We're gonna be praying over those gatherings. So you can join us from wherever you are. Just pause and pray at 1.30. On Wednesday for our gatherings. The third thing that I want to encourage you to do is to serve. If you are on the J team, you already know. I mean, you are signed up. You're ready. It's time uh, to serve. It's an all-in weekend for us, and I'm so excited that however you're planning on serving, you're gonna make a difference. And if you're here today or watching today or at any of our locations, and and you have not signed up to be on the J team, we've got plugged in. Step two happening after this gathering. You can be a part of that and we'll show you how you can serve for our Christmas gatherings. And then the last thing that I wanna encourage us to do as we prepare for Christmas at The Journey is give. This weekend is our Christmas offering weekend which means that it's our opportunity to give above and beyond our regular giving, to go outside our walls, to extend our reach throughout Journey City to help more people find Jesus and follow him fully. And if you're a guest with us or new to The Journey, we don't want you to feel any pressure to give. But if you would call the journey home or maybe you would just say, you know what, God's been good to me this year, then I want to encourage you to give in the Christmas offering and watch how you'll be able to make a difference. I'm excited to tell you that we've already seen 150 households in our church give up to this point in the weekend, and we're about 25% of the way to our goal, so your generosity can help us cross the finish line and would love to have you guys be a part of that. But for today, we all have Christmas traditions, right? How many of you like your Christmas traditions? You have different Christmas traditions for different things that you do across all of our locations. Yep, we've got all Christmas traditions. We've got things that we like to do. We've got foods that we like to eat. We've got people that we like to see. And then let's face it, we got people we don't wanna see, am I right? We got some people we don't want to see, But have you ever felt like in a season when Christmas rolls around, at some point, you've had to pause and ask yourself the question, what's the point? What's the point of making Christmas cookies when I know I'm just going to throw half of them away, or if I eat all of them, I'm going to gain 30 pounds and need a gym membership in 2024? If you remember back when you were a kid, you're like, mom, what is the point of taking the family Christmas picture? I mean, there's presents under the tree. Think about it, when you were a teenager, or if you are a teenager, you're like, Mom, what is the point of going to this random person's house and celebrating Christmas? I'm not gonna talk to anybody. I'm just gonna sit in the corner. I'm just gonna scroll on my phone. What's the point of that? And then, fellas, I know you can relate to this. What is the point of all of those Hallmark movies that my wife insists on watching <laughs> that all have the same plot? I mean, can I get an amen from someone who agrees with me, please? Thank you, thank you. What is the point? I'm gonna get in big trouble for that one afterwards. My wife's in the room today. What's the point? Well, I think for a lot of us, this season that we're in can actually prompt an even deeper question for us, where we ask, what's the point of my life? Why am I here? What's my purpose on this planet? And it can get so easy to get caught up in the things that need to get done, the tasks that are ahead of us, the people that we need to see, the traditions that we wanna do, that when we finally stop and think about it for long enough, we're not actually sure why we're doing any of it at all in the first place. And I think if we're not careful, if we let that go on for long enough, We can actually find ourselves in a really dark and discouraging place in a season that's supposed to be so full of joy and hope and encouragement. What do we do in those moments? Well, I think no matter what you believe about God or or where you are when it comes to spiritual things, chances are good that we've all had an experience like that, where we've ended up in a place where we felt like it was darker or more discouraging than we expected it to be. And so if you felt that at any point, today we're going to look at some scripture that, that very possibly you've never heard before in church. In fact, I grew up in church my whole life, and I have never once heard a single person preach about this scripture. So if you're here for the first time or you're not even sure what you believe about God, guess what? We're in the same boat today, okay? I've never heard somebody preach this scripture before, but as I was reading it, preparing for this message, I think it can give us some renewed hope in this Christmas Season. So we're gonna look today at the very first words in the New Testament, in the Bible, in the book of Matthew, which was a biography of Jesus's life. And it starts by telling us about Jesus's family tree. And in just a moment, we're gonna read a marathon list of 42 generations of fathers and sons all the way down to Jesus. And I need you to promise me that you're not gonna make fun of me for the way that I pronounce these names. Can you promise me that? At least make fun of me in the car on the way home, okay? That's all I ask. You can do it later on the way home. And I'm gonna do the oldest Christian joke in, a, in the book is, if you don't know how to say somebody's name, you just say it confidently. So that's what I'm gonna do today. And at the end of this, I think there's something locked inside this text, something that if we'll look closely at it, it can give us that hope and encouragement that we need. So you guys ready? Here we go. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Ram was the father. Oh, I think I went too far. Oh no, we're missing one. We're missing several. Don't worry, I have them. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Here we go. Ram was the father of Amminadab. Amminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon is a dish best served with garlic and lemon on dinner time. You are paying attention great job. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat was the father of Jehoram, Jehoram was the father of Uzziah, Uzziah was the father of Jotham, Jotham was the father of Ahaz, Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. There's the wrong verse that somehow ended up there. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh, Manasseh was the father of Amon, Amon was the father of Josiah, Josiah was the father of Jehoiachin and his brothers, just in case you were wondering... And they were born at the time of the exile to Babylon. So this exile to Babylon was a season where God's people had turned their back on God and he decided to allow them to be conquered by the Babylonian army and taken away into slavery because of the choices that they had made. So... After the Babylonian exile, Jehoiachin was the father of Shatil, Shatil was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abiud. Abiud was the father of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok was the father of Akim. Akim was the father of Eloid, Eloid was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Mathan. Mathan was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah! I'm exhausted. Now you see why every person who reads that, either for the first time or the 50th time, even if you consider yourself a Christian, just skims over all of it, right? What the heck is the point? What's the point of listing off a bunch of names that I can't pronounce, that I just have to stand up in front of you and make a fool of myself doing? What's the point of all of it? Well, let's see if we can find it Together. The first thing that I'd like us to see is that God is a planner. God is a planner. So look at this verse. All those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. So how many of you would agree that there's no time in our life quite like Christmas time that requires as much planning as this season does, right? It just requires planning. We need a bunch of planning. So I'm the dad now of two seven-month-old twins and I have gotten a crash course in how planning at Christmas time is absolutely required. Okay, I have to figure out who's going shopping when and who's gonna take the kids. I'm now figuring out, okay, who's gonna watch the kids for the staff Christmas party? What's gonna happen and when are we gonna find a time to go cut down a Christmas tree where my in-laws will inevitably make fun of the way that I do it? Okay, that's just me, got it, cool. Again, I'm gonna get in trouble for that one too. I'm just, here we go, just chalking it all up, it's fine. I'm pretty sure that every day between December 1st and Christmas Day has something on the calendar for my wife Haley and I, and we just have to plan in advance. And it's easy at times, can't you relate to this to get stressed out by all of that? Some of you are like, I like to be spontaneous and the thought of planning every single day out, you're like, I would lose my ever loving mind. Some of us are planners and we're still stressed out about all of this, but the funny thing is, is that God has never been stressed out about what's gonna happen or in what order things are going to take place. He holds everything together easily, why? Because God's a planner. Let's look at that verse again from verse 17. All those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. God has a plan. You know, God could have brought Jesus to the earth anytime he wanted to, right? He could have brought Jesus to the earth right before, right after Adam and Eve, before the first people were ever created, there could have been Jesus on earth. Heck, God could have brought Jesus to earth last Tuesday if he wanted to, but he had a plan. He could have done it whenever, but he had a plan. There were specific people, even though we didn't recognize half of them or know anything about their stories, there were specific people at a specific time that he chose to play a part in his plan. Let me ask you today, church, what if there's a God out there who, while you are feeling really stressed out or overwhelmed by the season that you're in, God just wants you to know that he's got a plan for your life? What if there's a God who, just like he brought order to that list of names where 14 generations were in between each set, what if God wanted to bring order to your life in a new way in this Christmas season? Because God is a planner maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, then it sure doesn't feel that way. Like, God, would you just hurry up? It feels like you're not on board with what I'm trying to do. Can you just hurry up and make this all happen? Well, I love how God's word says this in the book of Psalm. It says, the, God, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of the their lives, meaning that there's no detail, no stressor, no thing that's going on in your mind that is far outside what God cares about in your life. And though they stumble, though they're stressed out, though they're discouraged, though they're overwhelmed, they will never fall for the Lord holds them by the hand. God holds us by the hand. We have all kinds of plans, things that we want to do, especially in this season, but God directs our steps. There's nothing too small that he doesn't care about. And if we believe in him, he will always be with us. Why? Because God is a planner. God is a planner. The second thing that I pulled out from that text is that family trees are powerful. Family trees are powerful. Now we all know this at some level, right? Maybe you were raised in a family that that you had some extra connections or relationships or maybe a little bit more money than somebody else. And so there were parts of your life that became a little bit easier because of those things. Maybe you were raised in a family that was fairly broken, that there was a lot of dysfunction, or maybe you were raised in a family that's a little bit of both. And so in those seasons, we know that, that family trees are powerful and What I'm trying to suggest today is that our family tree matters more than we realize. Our family tree matters more than we realize. In fact, I never caught this before when I was prepping this message, but this is the record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and Abraham. Jesus descended down through these generations. His his lineage descended down through these generations over time, but his lineage wasn't the only thing to descend down. So was the brokenness and the blessing of each generation before him. And there were some new things that, that Jesus had to experience as a result of His family, there was a point where Jesus went to the city of of Nazareth. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue, to the church on the Sabbath, and stood up to read the scriptures. Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be? They asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? Pastor Mark preached about this last weekend, how Joseph was engaged to be married to Jesus' mother, Mary, and Mary became pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit, and there was this whole thing where Joseph wanted to break it off, and God said, no, don't do it, and he said, okay, fine, I'll stick with it, and and he had to go through that that whole process, and you can imagine how the hometown talked about Jesus in the midst of all of it, right? Right? Can't you imagine how Jesus is walking down the street and they go, there's the guy whose dad just claims, oh, there was God, and then the baby appeared. Like, they're, they're, they, they think it's scandalous, it's talk of the town, and, and eventually, people stop paying attention to Jesus because they can't see Jesus for who he is, they can only see Jesus through the filter of his mom and dad. And that's what I'm suggesting when I say that family trees are powerful, Because some of us are here today and we're battling powerful things from our family trees. Maybe your grandfather was an alcoholic. Maybe your mom lost her temper a lot. Maybe your dad was absent and didn't feel like he was present all the time. And maybe you found yourself in in a similar place, falling into the same patterns and pitfalls that generations before you have fallen into. Why is that? Why would we keep falling into those same things over and over? Well, God's word says that the Lord is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion. God will forgive any mistake that we have ever made or will ever make if we will just trust him and believe in him. But he does not excuse the guilty. He lays the sins of the parents upon their children the entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. Meaning we can be forgiven by God for the mistakes that we make, but there's still temptations that are a result of things that our parents and grandparents and the world around us has brought close to our doorstep that we have to navigate. We have to figure out our way through, and and many of us have been battling the mistakes of our family tree, but the good news is that it can change. The good news is, is that your decisions today affect generations tomorrow. It can change with you. It can change with your decisions that you make today. Last week, I heard the story of a young boy in our church whose name is Drayden, and his mom brought him to the journey, and they had been bouncing around trying to find a couple of churches recently and just couldn't find the right one to fit because honestly, Drayden grew up with a lot of uh, trauma in his childhood. And he he lashed out, he was angry all the time. He had even gotten suspended from school a couple of times. And by the time they came to to the journey, Drayden checked into Journey Kids and and let's face it, Drayden tested the limits of our Journey Kids team, everybody. (laughs) He tested the limits. But I love how our team didn't give up on him. And our church didn't give up on him. You didn't give up on him. We kept encouraging him, he came eventually to Journey Students, and one night just a few weeks ago on the way home from Journey Students, he was getting a ride from a a leader on our team who was taking him home, and he asked that leader to help him put his faith in Jesus in the backseat of their car. so cool. And then just a couple of weeks ago at baptism weekend, Drayden and his mom went public with their faith in Jesus in baptism and their life was forever changed. Their family tree was forever changed. Now, don't you realize that Drayden's mom could have given up on church? She could have said, I'm done with this. I'm done with all the Christian people who call themselves Christians and then treat my kid like this. I'm tired of all the people who make snide comments, who don't understand where we come from, where he comes from, I'm not, I'm just done with this. And instead, Drayden's mom chose to change her family tree by continuing to step up, continuing to come, because your decisions today affect the generations of tomorrow. Your decisions today affect the generations of tomorrow. So, number one, God's a planner. He's got a plan for our lives. He's orchestrating things bigger than we could realize. Number two, family trees are powerful. There's more locked inside of our family tree than we could even realize. And Number three, each person has a purpose. God used a lineage of people to bring about the Messiah, to bring about Jesus, so many broken, unfaithful, messed up, mistake-filled people that each had a purpose. In fact, if I were to bring up that list again of those names, there would be a couple of them that would shock you, because the man whose name was Abraham actually slept with his servants, and the man whose name was David actually slept with a guy's wife, got her pregnant, and then sent him to the front lines to be killed in battle. People have jacked up stories. You really should read your Bible, (laughs) There's some wild stuff in there. It's crazy. Yet in spite of all of it, the Savior of the world, the reason for Christmas was brought to the earth for us, was born into this family tree. God's word says it this way, that the Lord has made everything for his own purposes. And even the wicked for a day of disaster God has brought everything together for a purpose. We have all been made for a purpose that God has destined for us. But when bad things come against us, God is still able to shape that into his master plan, which means that it doesn't matter what we've been through, what our income is, what our skin color is, what our background is, how many mistakes we've made, how far we've run from God in the past, it doesn't matter. God still wants to use us for a purpose. So let me ask you, what's your purpose? What's your purpose on this planet? What are you uniquely placed here for? What, what, how can you use the influence that God has given you to make a difference in somebody else's life? How can you live a life of significance, not just living from one day to the next, where you don't have to ask the question, what's the point of my life? I think we live out our purpose when we serve like you're gonna do for Christmas. Every time we greet somebody and we welcome them, we make them feel comfortable. Every time we teach their kid how to know God, love God, live like he says in Journey Kids. Every time we create an environment for someone to experience God in a powerful way, that's us living out our purpose. I think we live out our purpose when we give, when we give in our Christmas offering, outside of our walls to help more people find Jesus and follow him fully. Did you know that when you give, you are paying for the chair that someone is going to sit in at any of our locations this Christmas? When you give, you're paying for the Bible that we're gonna give to somebody who needs it most. When you give, we're gonna serve a hot meal in Jesus' name through our Code Red team through your generosity. Your giving is living out your purpose. We live out our purpose when we invite someone to Christmas gatherings. I thought about it this way this week. What if you invite somebody who brings their granddaughter to church and that granddaughter has a daughter who 25 years from now actually changes the world? She's the one that changes the world, but if you don't back it up to the original invitation, she may never experience the love of Jesus. So remember, number one, God is a planner. He's got a plan for our lives. Number two, family trees are powerful. Family trees are powerful. And number three, each person has a purpose. Each person has a purpose. I heard a story a few weeks ago about a young girl who grew up and she didn't go to church. Her family never really took her to church. And she grew up, she, she became, whenever she got to be a teenager, she was babysitting for a local doctor, and she would show up, you know, a couple times a week, babysit, and she just became close with that family. She became close with who, who they were and, and their story, and, and eventually that doctor said, hey, do you want to come to church with us? And the young girl didn't really have any context, and she said, sure, yeah, I'll go to church with you. Come on, let's go. And eventually she showed up, and that young girl went to church consistently, and eventually she put her faith in Jesus. Because of the invitation that the doctors extended to her. And that young girl grew up, and and eventually she lived a little bit hard of a life. It was difficult for her. That young girl ended up getting married, and unfortunately, her husband cheated on her. And so she was left a, a single mom with three girls. She eventually remarried, but then her second husband died in a car accident. And she just lived this really challenging life. Yet in spite of all of this, this young girl never gave up. She trusted God. She showed up. She believed in God. And she came to church consistently. And she raised her daughters to do the same. In fact, all three of her daughters became followers of Jesus as a result. So fast forward, one of those daughters ends up having kids and raises those kids in the church and, you know, they're sitting in the church row and you got grandmother and then you've got the the three new kids and then you've got the daughter and and every single week they show up and they're in church. And one day that grandmother sat across the table from one of her grandkids and she asked the question, she said, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do when you grow up? When you graduate high school, what do you want to do? She looked right in that kid's eye and said, Bradley, you could be a pastor. It was my grandmother. My grandmother was the first person in my life to see what I'm doing today before anybody else could. In fact, There was a kid at the lunch table a couple years later when I said, hey, I think think I'm supposed to be a pastor. He looked at me and he said, Brad, the day you become a pastor is the day I start going to church. Nobody thought I would do this. Nobody bet on me, except Graham. And without that doctor inviting my grandmother to church, I don't know if my grandmother ever would have made it. Without my grandmother, I'm pretty confident my mom never would have gone to church. And without my mom, I can tell you right now, I would have, wouldn't have gone to church. So many weeks where I didn't think I wanted to. But I'm reminded that one invitation can change a generation. One invitation can change a generation. You know, you'll never meet that doctor or my grandmother this side of heaven. She's since passed away but here's what I like to imagine. This is just just my imagination. But I like to imagine the day that Graham got to heaven and Jesus said, hey, come here, come here, come here. Let me show you how your life of investing in your daughters and granddaughters and how that simple moment that you may never remember across the table made a difference. And I imagine he sits her down in a chair and he turns on a little TV and he's playing this moment right here. And He's playing the moment where She gets to see her grandson living out his purpose. Just a simple word. Just a simple moment. So the day will come, Journey. The day will come where you meet Jesus. Where the end of your life comes. And and again, I like to imagine he sits... He sits you down, you're in the recliner, the TV goes on and he says, let me show you how that neighbor you invited to the journey was so dark and anxious and depressed, but the moment they came to the journey, they found Jesus. And let me show you that barista that you gave the invite card to, how she just went thanks and put it in her pocket and threw it in her desk drawer at work a couple of years later, or that day. And then a couple of years later, she's in the darkest moment of her life and she's depressed and she's not sure what to do next. And she stumbles upon that invite card and says, you know what, I'll give church a shot. I want you to imagine that family member. You're watching the TV. Jesus is right there and he's showing you that family member that you refused to give up on, that family member that you've been praying for, that you've been inviting, that you've been hoping would experience God. And he shows you how your consistent investment, your consistent invitation changed a generation. What would it look like, church, if we became the kind of church that was so focused on the end of the day when we meet Jesus that we got motivated to invest in the lives of people around us and invite them to experience the hope, the life, the renewed sense of joy that we have because of Jesus. Let it prompt us to do that in this season. So what's the point of this season? What's the point of your life? That people far from God would come into a life-giving relationship with him. That they wouldn't just think it's the Christmas story. No, that they would realize that it's the most important story in history. That 2,000 years ago, there was a man who came and died. A man who changed my destiny forever. Changed many of yours too. Don't miss your moment this week. Invite somebody to Christmas this week. Invite them to come with you. Pray for our gatherings, for the people that are coming. Sign up to serve. Come to Plugged In afterwards. Give in the Christmas offering like people will find Jesus as a result. If you'd say this weekend, you know what? I'm in. I'm in for that. And I wonder all over this place, if you just raise your hand. Come on, all of our locations, just raise your hand. Let me pray for us. Why don't we open up our hearts big to God. Let me pray for us together today. Father, we come to you right now and we're so thankful for what you're doing in this place. We're so thankful for what you're doing in our lives. God, would you remind us today that you're a planner. You hold all things together. You've got an order. You're not surprised by the timing of anything. remind us that our family trees are powerful. Where we come from and where we're headed, you're orchestrating it. God, would you show us that our purpose is not just to live a life of comfort, but our purpose is to live a life on a mission. Come on, would you just say today, if if you're serious about this, just say, Jesus, I accept the mission. I accept the mission this week. I'm gonna invite somebody. It's gonna happen. And God, I pray for boldness in conversations. I pray for courage to step out. I pray for destiny appointed moments where we run into people. I pray for moments where somebody asks, what's different about you? And that would be our opening. I pray a blessing in Jesus' name. And then while you let your... God speak to your heart a little bit more. I was just reminded as I prepared for this weekend how actually the greatest invitation that I was ever given wasn't to come to church. The greatest invitation I was ever given was when Jesus said, hey, I'd love to invite you into a relationship with me. And I'll take all those mistakes you've ever made. I'll take all that junk that you've had to battle against. I'll take it away, I'll forgive you for all of it. and You can have a relationship with me. And I'll never forget the moment that I accepted that invitation and my life was forever changed. So maybe you're here today at one of our locations and you've never said yes to that invitation. Well, today can be your day. So one more time, let's open up our hearts big to God. And if you're here today and you're ready to put your faith in Jesus, It'd be my joy and my honor to lead you in a simple prayer to help you accept the invitation. But just say something like this. Pray it with faith. Say, Jesus, I believe in you today. I'm accepting the invitation. Forgive me of all the mistakes that I've made. Help me live my new life with you as my number one priority. I'm trusting you today. That's you. If you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, while everybody's still focused on God, I wonder at all of our locations, would you be bold and raise your hand, saying, "I put my faith in Jesus today. I'm trusting Him with my life, and believing Him." In a powerful way. It's so cool. It's so cool. And then, Journey, can we take a moment? Can we just celebrate all the people who have accepted the invitation today? Thank you, God.